Hello. Uh, so welcome to a mini episode of the Hormesis podcast. Um, we're we're throwing in some of these these smaller episodes uh, because there are some subjects that we want to have a little bit of a, a just a small focus on. the The topic of today's mini rant is uh, the ABR Part Three exam. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, which is probably most of you, um, I just completed the board examination process. Um, I sat for part three in April and found out that I passed in the middle of the month, which was a great relief. Um, and I, I just wanted to share a few thoughts on the whole process. Um, and, you know, lots of people who go through this, they have all sorts of questions. Um, obviously, one of the things I can't talk about are the questions that I was asked or the answers or who was examining or what, you know, I'm going to stay as vague as I can about the exam itself. But the uh, the whole process leading up to it, you know, for me, one of the one of the things that I was the most uncertain about when it came to this was what the heck am I going to be quizzed on? <laughs> How is this going to work? Uh what do I need to even study? Do I just need to study everything? Do I just read the task group reports? Um, you know, so it was it was really uh, strange for me just not having a great base to go off of because for part two, for part two, I, I, I had somewhat of the same sensation, but I more or less knew they were going to be some some clinical physics questions. I, I didn't know for this exam really whether or not I was going to be getting into just like these really niche topics or these really like basic principles that I needed to have a great understanding of. So, you know, I, I think that was the same feeling that a lot of people I talked to had that, you know, I've, I tried to reach out to a couple people to study together. We, I eventually started studying with uh, one of the guys I went to school with in Toledo. Um, and and we would be on Skype probably two or three times a week for an hour to two hours, just trying to go over different questions. Like, um, you know, he had uh, signed up for one of the, I think it was the We Passed, um, you know, part three exam help. So he had some of the questions that they suggested that you prepare for. And we would just ask each other all these questions over and over and over and, and you know, asking each other, each other follow up off of those was really useful. It was um, probably more useful to have those types of things instead of the pre-canned like, well, this is what we think you should know. Um, just somebody else who does physics clinically every day. So, so in the prep, the prep sessions, you know, talking with somebody who does clinical physics regularly and at seeing what they thought was important, what they kind of picked up on in each one of these questions was really interesting. Um, and, and I think probably one of the better parts of the preparation. Um, the other thing that I thought was extremely helpful was attending a mock oral exam. And so I, I attended the mock oral from the ORVC in Lexington. So I went to the old, the old venue um, and got to see the Crown Plaza in Louisville, which, uh, you know, Better or worse is not where they're holding it anymore. It used to be for the longest time. Um, and and th there I really got to learn a lot more about the format. I, I mean, 
I knew people would tell me like, oh, well, you're going to get five questions from five people and they will be about all these different topics. And, you know, it's just all of this information. And I just I didn't get a great picture of it in my head of what it would be like, what it would seem like. And then after I, I, I went and did this mock oral, it, it really started to come together and I had a better sense of what it was I needed to do. Um, so that was a, I think that was a great, a great step forward. So the, the two things that I thought really helped prepare me were, I mean, admittedly having some sense of the questions that might be asked, um, from this, we passed test bank, but, um, just practicing answering questions in front of a camera, talking to someone, getting live feedback, getting live follow-up, um, and then going and doing that in an exam style situation that was designed to mimic the exam format. I, it, both of those I, made me really confident in the uh, in the, the days going up to the exam. I felt very, very good and very well prepared and ready to take it on. So prior to taking the exam, how much money had you already spent preparing for the exam? Uh, well, so personally, I didn't spend anything. Um, luckily, my, my work has an academic fund, and I knew that I was going to be taking this exam. Um, so I, uh, I made sure that I didn't sign up for any crazy conferences. Um, you know, I have a few society memberships that I kept up, but most of that money is going was going towards um, board exam prep. Going to the ORVC, the mock oral was, I think, $150. Um, I signed up for the ORVC meeting because I knew a lot of people who were going to be there. I also know that it's a great, they do a great job for a chapter meeting. It's always really interesting. And it, this year didn't fail to, to live up to expectations. It, it was, it was great. Um, and actually where, where Andrea and Nick and I started having the idea to talk about, to start this podcast again. So, um, you know, that's when, that's when they realized, Hey, wait a minute, we might be able to do something with this. Um. So it was, it was really a worthwhile thing. Um, so 150 bucks for the mock oral. Uh, it was probably $400 for the flight to Louisville. It was um, somewhere around four or $600 for the, the hotel stay in Louisville. So you're talking about 11 or 1200 bucks that, you know, luckily I was in a position where I would, didn't have to pay that out of pocket but I know several people who did. I also know a lot of people who took more than one mock oral. Um, a lot of people I bumped into were sort of like, uh, especially in Louisville, there were people who knew each other from previous practice tests. And I was, I was just kind of blown away by that because I was, you know, this was my planned preparation. That was it. That, you know, <laughs> and for them, this was just one of a sequence of them. Um, so I don't even know how much those people spent, but I, I do know that there are some people who spend a significant amount more just on the preparation phase. So does New York not have a mock oral? Uh, they do, but I just didn't want to go and get involved in in that. I, I knew the ORVC did one. I, I know the, um, the quality of the meeting there. Um, the upstate New York medical physics chapter does not, uh, who does have one? I think Ramps has one down in the city, but I didn't really want to deal with that because I also didn't want to 
go down and just not have any concept of who I was with, you know, because I was I, I was planning on staying for the meeting. So I, I was just I'm actually still a member of the ORVC, even though I graduated nearly four years ago. So I still try and keep up with that. I still pay attention to the emails um, and, and just try and keep in touch with people back there because it, I feel it's a great chapter. So, so yeah, no, I don't know if there is a, I don't know for certain. I'm pretty sure that Ramps does one. I know that there, that New England does one. Um, I know that some people were talking about uh, one done at Wayne State hmm. that was sort of, uh, it wasn't in conjunction with the Great Lakes chapter uh, meeting. So they just had a, they just had a meeting or they just had a, a mock oral. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, for me, I said, you know what? I want to go to the ORVC one. I know that the ORVC does one every year. I've heard that it does a really good job of preparing people. So I, I wanted to do that. Great. So do you want to talk a little bit about getting to the test? So let's talk about location. So I mentioned that this mock oral was at the, the previous location for the exam in Louisville, Kentucky. And Louisville is a pain in the butt to get to. There's no direct flights unless you live in a hub. And even then, sometimes you got to go to a different hub. Um, and, you know, I'm not directly familiar with why they moved away from the Louisville location. But I know that a lot of us were sort of like, ooh, that might be good to not be stuck in Louisville. Um, and then they announced Tucson. And I have no idea how where Tucson ranks in terms of the, the airlines. But Tucson, being the home of the ABR, kind of made some sense, although it's way off on the other side of the country for me. The problem is Tucson has the same issue as Louisville and that there are no direct flights there from my side of the country. you got to go to either Phoenix or Chicago or Denver or Detroit or Philly, Detroit, Tucson, as I wound up having to do. Um partly because I one of the main carriers that flies into Tucson is American Airlines. And American Airlines is terrible. It is <laughs> just so bad. It was so bad. Ah, so in Syracuse, New York, where I live, the weather here is just unpredictable all the time. So the pilots who fly into Syracuse, New York, are used to it. They fly in all sorts of things. I could have sworn that they put skis on the planes one year, one year just because they flew into so many snowstorms. It was phenomenal. But I got a text message. I'm supposed to fly. My, my, my exam is Monday afternoon. I'm supposed to fly down on Sunday around noonish. get into Tucson, um, like 9 p.m. local time. You know, I, I had it so that I had enough time that I'd be able to get a little bit synced up with the the time there. I'd get a good night's sleep. I'd wake up and have plenty of time the next day. Get a text message like 11.30 a.m. on Saturday and say, hey, your flight's canceled. It's just flat out canceled. And I'm looking at the replacement options that they have, and they're like, oh, well, you're going to go from uh, Syracuse to Philly to Dallas to Tucson tomorrow two hours later than you were supposed to leave and you're supposed to get into tucson at midnight to me not acceptable <laughs> i was not taking that chance and it's a good thing i didn't so i call up american i said 
I'm not accepting the flight that you're trying to rebook me on. I want the next one out of Syracuse today. And so I have to take that same pattern of, of flights that day, get to the airport here in Syracuse, get onto the plane on time, which is good. I was, I was pleased with that. But then they stopped us on the runway for an hour. We weren't allowed to take off. Um, and I don't know what it was, but they stopped us there after we'd pushed away from the gates, specifically because now it wasn't their problem. They don't have to take responsibility for that delay, which I later found out. Um, so we get into Philly, get to Philly, and um, my connecting flight is in like 10 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm never going to make it. Get Start to get off the plane, had to gate check my bag because it's a tiny aircraft and I didn't check any bags. Um, so I'm waiting to get my gate check bag and find out the, the connecting flight I was supposed to be on took off five minutes early. <laughs> I'm like, you just missed it. You missed it. Sorry. There's no, I'm like, all right. So when's the next flight down uh, to get to, I think I'm going to Dallas at this point. I had to wait another two and a half hours in Philly airport for the next flight to Dallas. But of course, now I'm going to miss the last flight out of Dallas going to Tucson. And so I have to spend the the night overnight in Dallas airport because they won't pay for a hotel room because it wasn't their fault that I missed my connecting flight because uh, they took off from the gate on time and then got held on the tarmac. Oh my God. The biggest problem was that there just aren't a lot of options to fly into Tucson. It, ah, I don't understand why we wouldn't do something like diagnostic radiology. They do their oral exam in Chicago. They do it at a hub so that everybody can get there. They do it at large airports in large cities. Why are we doing our board exams in these rinky-dink little towns? Not that... Yeah, Tucson's not exactly tiny, but... But it's not like it's not a place that has a gigantic airport. Why couldn't we do it in Dallas? I'd be fine with Dallas. Dallas is a huge airport. You could go there. It's you know there are always flights there or Atlanta or Denver. You know it's. Uh. I'd imagine that would also bring down the cost for a lot of people. Well, yeah. I mean, it's going to cut down on a little bit of cost on that. There are more than enough hotels in all of those cities, so you don't get stuck at the, you know, like in Chicago, most people don't even leave the airport hotel. They just stay at the airport hotel. They fly in, they get into their hotel room, and then they do their exam, and then they get on a plane and they leave. And it, the other problem was coming back from Tucson, you know, I couldn't get a flight out uh, after my exam because the next flight out after the exam was supposed to be over, you know, my exam slot was, I think, 2.30 to 5, was at 5.45, there, and there's no other options to, to fly out after that. There's like no other flights that would get to a, a place to get me back to Syracuse um, either that night or the next morning without staying overnight in another in another airport. Um, and so I just, ugh, man, uh, you, the flight back also was delayed by two hours at the gate. They didn't know if we'd make any of our connections so i was literally standing in line at the at the terminal they say we're stopping we're not going to make any more modifications 
you're just going to have to get on this flight and, and play it by ear. And so I'm, I'm the next one up to be helped. And I just look it up on, uh, to see if there's any other flights going to Syracuse that night. And Delta luckily had one. And I just purchased a round trip ticket from Tucson to Syracuse (laughs) in line to get onto American airlines and got on that flight, which went just perfectly. There were no problems. And I got home at, I think I, I beat my original time to get home. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. It cost me an extra like $450. But so to the ABR, if you're listening, move the test, <laughs> put it somewhere where everybody can get to it. And it's not a problem. Move the test. All right. So, so we moved, we talked a little bit about the, the trip there and back. I, I did want to say that the exam itself, um, I thought the exam was, was pretty fair. I, I can't really say a whole lot about it, of course. Um, but I was a little thrown off. I did not expect this. So I, I did do the, the mock exam, like I'd talked about before, um, <clears throat> And there, the examiners, they weren't really, you know, broadcasting whether or not I was doing, I was saying the right or wrong things, but they weren't trying to play it with the poker face exactly either. But the, the ABR, I mean, they tell you this when you walk in and they have a little prep session, you know, to just sort of, Hey, this is the format. This is what you can expect. Yada, yada, yada. Like don't bring your watch into the exam. They don't allow any watches anymore because of smartwatches also something i didn't know luckily i don't i didn't wear a watch so it was good um but they the examiners are supposed to just like totally you know stone stonewall you they're just no no expression of whether or not your answer is correct or wrong or um you know if their follow-up is to help you or not like they you know it was one of these things that i just you know they did a really good job of staying completely neutral. And I felt like I was just talking to a a wall and I wasn't sure if what I was saying made any sense at all because there was just literally no response. (laughs) I was sort of standing, you know, because when, when I'm at least uh, all this practice stuff, like when I was talking with, uh, you know, my study partner or when I was talking with the mock examiners, like they at least acknowledged that you were saying words that made sense. (laughs) <laughs> and these guys, these guys, you know, I could have been speaking gibberish and I, I would have had the same reaction, I feel like. So they were really good at, at staying neutral. <laughs> so um, beyond that, you know, the format, the, the mock exam was really good at preparing for the format. It was really good at um, just sort of learning to pace your responses, even though it's not your job to do that. But if you get lost in the weeds uh you know of a question then you you wind up not necessarily being able to answer the question sometimes and so the mock exam really helped for me staying on topic and getting to the most precise or not most precise but the most important part of the the answer right the thing that tells the person like okay this this guy is not coming out of left field um so so that practice was really good um and i i, I felt like when I was in the exam itself, 
having done that type of question and answer before I, I, you know, I thought that was a benefit. So I would strongly recommend if you were going to be sitting for the ABR part three, um, go out and find a, a, find a good mock exam to, to prepare you just for the, the whole scenario. So. So they can ask you follow-up questions. In the mock exam, they, they did ask follow-up questions. Um, what I, I guess what I could say is that there some questions had more to them than others originally. And um, like the, like the plan of the question was to have a more detailed discussion about something, I think. Yeah, I, I'm not, I don't remember if they briefed it. I do remember them saying it's not your responsibility to know the pace of the exam. Hmm. So, it, the, you know, they, you, you've got half an hour with each examiner and it's supposed to be five minutes per question because each examiner offers you five, uh, five questions from five different subjects. But they, um, you know, some questions, like I said, take a little bit longer than others. Um, I guess they they did say that they did say that in the in the briefing room. They said, you know, don't worry if you you know you don't freak out if you think you're talking for more than five minutes on a single question because some questions need more than five minutes and some questions don't. Okay, and they, and they also said it's not your responsibility to do that. Your examiner will know that is their job to move on when they need to. And and the examiners, for you know, to their credit, when they needed to move on, they moved on, and they just said. You know, you could have been mid-sentence, and they would be like, we're going to move on now. And it, it just, <laughs> okay, all right, we're going. So that that was, uh, sometimes that could be a little bit of a throw, but I mean, they briefed you on it. They told you about it. And even though you're just so jumpy and nervous, like the fact that you sit down and you listen and you sit, and they, they kind of take a minute to like, all right, everybody, let's just, it's it's palpable how much how much nervousness is in this room just sit here and just take a couple deep breaths and then we'll start the briefing i was like thank you thank you for this time because it actually really helps so is the exam location still in hotel rooms yeah yeah they were so I, I, I'm not even sure if this is maybe the reason why the location was chosen but there were two sort of wings to this hotel and the second and third floor of the hotel on one side, on one of the wings, was where all the examiners stayed, I believe. That's at least where the exams were, were given. And so if you were walking over to that side of the hotel uh, while the exam was being given, they, they were very uh, unhappy with you doing that, let's say. They, that was frowned upon. Um, and then everybody else's room was on the other wing of the hotel. All the examinees stayed in the other wing. So there, when you went for the exam, you go from room to room to room. But the doors were open. All the rooms were well kept. Um, you wouldn't even know that people were staying in them. To me, at least I didn't. Maybe that's just because I was so focused on answering, <laughs> not being a complete idiot. Uh, not saying that I wasn't, but... Um... I've definitely heard from people in the past that there have been a lot of really uncomfortable situations with it being in a hotel room and stuff. But I mean, did they bring in desks or something so that you're kind of like across a desk from someone or at least not sitting on a bed, like looking at each other? 
Yeah, no, there were chairs. There were chairs. So you're they you weren't across a desk from somebody. Um, you were sort of side by side, uh, and um, I guess I can. So so the the format of how the questions are asked, the examiner doesn't necessarily read out the the question to you. Um, they don't even have the questions sort of pre-written down. They just have a sheet. Um, and they and you have a barcode and you give them a barcode and they scan the barcode and they scan their sheet and so it records who you are and then it generates the questions you're supposed to have and it puts it up on a computer screen and that's how they progress through the questions and so you're both sitting in front of this computer screen and just um sitting side by side in separate sort of swivel chairs mm -hmm. and um answering these questions so to me, I thought it was it was fine. I didn't think that there was any sort of unprofessionalism. I, you know, I, I didn't feel pressured at all. Although I don't know if I like I'm pretty insensitive to that personally. So I'm, I can't say that nobody experienced that, but I thought they took that extremely seriously. Um, they also warned in the briefing. They were like, well, you know, one, some of the examiners, there may be a second person in the room who's evaluating that examiner. Mm -hmm. Um, don't worry about them. Don't pay attention to them. But I, I did not run into that in my experience. Um, I do know that the examiners, I didn't know this when I was um, sort of preparing, people were talking about it, but the examiners kind of cycle through. They cycle in and out. So they've got um, relief examiners who are just moving from room to room and giving people a break. So they won't do more than four exams at once without having a half, you know, a half hour where they can just kind of settle and get their thoughts together and drink their own bottle of water, you know, something like that. Um, so, so yeah, it was, you know, overall, I thought it, it was really well executed. Um, you know, I came out of the exam a little shaky, sort of like, oh, okay, <laughs> don't know how I did, but it's over. <laughs> and <laughs> in two weeks, I'll find out if I have to do this again. But tonight, I'm going to, there was a, there was a cigar shop right across uh, from the street of from the hotel. So I went over there. Yeah. I went over there with uh, the guy I was studying with because he took his exam in the morning and we just sat there and smoked cigars and watched, I think we were watching some of the NBA finals. Um, <laughs> or not finals, but the, the playoffs because um, it wasn't the finals back then, but you know, it was it's just sort of a shell shock like sitting there like okay well hey this is this is pretty great that we're at least done with that and now we can sit here and waste a night and and not feel like we have to be studying or that the world's going to come crashing down on us in a month <laughs> <laughs> you know so so yeah that feeling that feeling is something i wouldn't mind feeling more frequently but um the stress and pressure of having to do the exam glad glad that i'm through with that for now well congrats on passing thank you very much and thank you for your insight yeah happy to happy to share if you want to share any of your own experiences from abr part three please join us at www.reddit.com slash r slash podcast well thanks for listening uh, this has been sean and allison good night Talk to you later.